0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960.
1: The Fan. Hey, everybody. Almost the weekend. Kelly Curse, Logan Gordon, and Hockey Central is on the air and online right now as we, uh, we got a game tonight from Edmonton in the bubble. We'll see what happens if Dallas can rev it up a little bit and get some more goals because they're going to need to as that series is tied at one. We'll have it for you just after 6 o'clock. Eric is going to come in after uh, about 12.30. He's our NHL insider. We're going to talk about goalies. We, you know, it's always a popular uh, topic around uh, these parts. We're going to talk, pick his brain about who is going to play goal for the Calgary Flames. we got lots to talk about with uh, Peter Lubardius. Let's get to him.
0: Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: Lou, Logan, uh, the Islanders... Put everything they had on the table. They tried their best. They had opportunities they couldn't take advantage of. And just the way you always say in the cliches, the good teams find a way. And sure enough, they have a breakdown in their own end. They can't. They can't get out of their own way. It's in the net. Game over. Two zip. Um, two zip. Tampa. Logan, f- first you, and then Lou. What? Uh, what? What did you think when that? When that frenzy happened uh, late in the third period?
2: I just thought it was a bit of a a lapse from the Islanders who maybe were, you know, kind of anticipating just riding it out into overtime and going from there. It's tough, you know, you get caught in a a situation like that, a bit flat-footed. And, I mean, Tampa Bay's got so many of those guys. I mean, I know it happens to be Kucherov, but you can go down the list of guys who are are dangerous like that, Lou, and you never want to give a team like that a chance. That's a real uh, kick in the gut for the Islanders who played a pretty good hockey game and were a lot more like themselves in game number two. Well, Logan, those are
0: really hard to take. So you're the Islanders, and you're blitzed in the no-chance motel in game one, and the big line goes off for 11 points for Tampa, and it was really no contest. So, you know, we knew that Barry Trotz's team was going to come back, get back to their identity, and that's exactly what they did. As I watched that game unfold last night at home... I looked at it as what I would call the rubber boots battle because that game was in the mud and Barry Trotz's team is happy with it in the mud, even though they score, they check, they defend, and a lot of what they do comes from that. And They scored the first goal of the game, made a good play, two and a half minutes in, they're in a good position and they found themselves in great shape in other ways. So, a couple of the keys, gents, when you think about it, Tampa. Loses Braden Point, their best forward. They played the majority of the game without him. Alex Kalorn, who is going in front of a hearing for his hit on Brock Nelson, he didn't even survive the first period. Tampa plays eleven forwards, seven D to begin with, and they're very comfortable in it and have been for years with John Cooper. So now you're down to nine. So you're in a hard fought Islanders kind of dictated in-the-trenches kind of game against a shorthanded Tampa Bay team, and at the end of the night, you've thrown everything you can, and it's still not good enough. Those are hard to take. Those are really – that's going to be a hard one, and the Islanders will because they're that kind of team, and they never cheat you with their effort. And But that's a really hard one to swallow. And, guys, the interesting thing about how it unfolded, don't forget about – 35, 45 seconds prior, remember Yanni Gord, who ended up having the first great chance of the three in that last 30 second stretch. He makes an unbelievable diving defensive play to maybe save the game at one end ends up the puck turns over. He ends up with a partial break at the other end has his hands all over. He didn't draw an assist on the game winner, but you know, again, that play at both ends of the rink from the 28-year-old former star of the Victoria Ville-Tigre, in fact, in his 2011-2012 season in the Quebec League, which featured people like Jonathan Huberto just to start, he led the entire Quebec League in scoring. But, you know, that's the thing about this Tampa team. they 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 get a lot of mileage out of a lot of different people, and... Scored on a night that could be described for both sides as you had to be really tenacious. I thought he played a really, really major factor in just how that game played itself out. But at the end of the day, what matters the most is one thing. Tampa took, you know, if that was a boxing match last night, Tampa took some punches. And they still found a way. So if you're Barry Trotz and the Islanders, that... You know, there's gut punches.
1: That body language, guys, uh, from the Islanders' bench when they flashed it after that goal went Oof. in. I mean, teams usually get down when they, when they know they're going to lose, but to work so hard and get nothing for it, man, I wonder what, the, what they bring, you know, coming up uh, tomorrow. What they can bring, I guess, Lou.
0: Well, I mean, they're going to try and bring exactly the same because that's exactly how they have to play to be successful, and they know it. And the other part about the game that we didn't talk about is, you know, we talk about Tampa being shorthanded. The great victory for Tampa looked no farther than their penalty killing. Remember at one, nothing. They have a five minute power play. They get nothing done after the Kalorn major penalty. And maybe equally as important is a lengthy five on three in the third, and they get nothing done. So they didn't execute Tampa. You know, great penalty killing. Vasilevsky was excellent. Can't say enough again about Hedman. McDonough, you know, who missed a little time earlier, makes a fantastic seam pass on the Kucherov winner with eight seconds left. So the thing that you continue to watch in Tampa in particular is they've changed the makeup of their team. They've become more of a blend team. And I don't know how you guys feel, but it'd be curious. I'm not sure in years gone by they would have looked quite as comfortable in that rubber boots in the mud type of game. They they they'll do everything, and they can because their talent level is yeah. off the charts. I think they've but learned from
1: the mistakes, guys. Don't don't you like they? You know, we we talked about the the crushing four game defeat to uh, Columbus, and even this year with you know some of the stuff they've had go, go through and the injuries and. You know, obviously, you know, um, th- they've had to retool their team to, to be adequate, and they've, they've overcome a lot of challenges. Maybe that was the best thing for them, that, that, uh, that kick in the teeth last year, Lou.
0: I think it was. I, I absolutely And the only way things become better for you is if you learn from it and if you do different. And they went out, and they, we've talked about it already this week, so we don't need to hit it any harder. They changed the makeup of their team. Julian Breschowa brought it, brought in Patrick Maroon, and he made deadline acquisitions for Barkley Goodrow, you know, and Blake Coleman. But they're they're harder to play against, and it's making a difference. And a team gets really, really dangerous when it doesn't matter how you play; they can figure it out. And I'm not sure they were always comfortable in games like last night. And Hasn't their playoff history shown whether it was, you know, losses to a Boston team along the way what last year against Columbus? They had to learn how to do it a little different. And they've, I truly believe, they've learned how to do it different. Now, the big problem for John Cooper's team is Braden Point. Now, if that is lengthy, again, that changes the complexion, but talking about John Cooper, who only did about—I was quite proud of him. You don't see that very often. He called it a blackout moment when asked about it after the game. Those were three of the best fist pumps you'll ever see from a coach after a big goal. You, you just—you don't see that kind of enthusiasm. And after the he game, had went it going, after, yeah. He he had it going in a big way, and he called his team's victory. He used one word. Gutty, I'll let him define what that means.
3: Rarely do you lose guys in a game, let alone two guys early. And, you know, like we lost killer. Killers basically didn't play the entire game. You know, point maybe played a shift or two more. And so that's a long stretch to go with, with just nine. Uh, you're saved a little bit by the, uh, the, the TV timeouts. Uh, but, you know the one thing players uh, always want is is more ice time and so games like that there was uh there was they were getting what they wanted um but it's it's a gutty gutty effort uh because it it it, it almost takes the last change out of it um, so you're trying to navigate through whistles through timeouts through icings uh but in the end It was just, it was gutty. That's what that effort was. It was just gutty.
2: Hard to put it any better than that, Lou. No,
0: no. And he went on a little later when asked about it even more specifically to talk about gutty for him just being, you know, the combination of resilient and showing perseverance and digging in and all those adjectives that you use. And he said it was, a really, really proud moment for him to watch his team in that type of a situation compete that way. And I think anybody who's ever coached or ever been a boss, when you have a night that requires that much, it it, it just, it's exactly how you feel. You just, you feel really, really proud of the people that, you instruct and you, and you send them out into battle. And, and I think that one was probably more special for John. I would guess if you sat him down and had a personal conversation, just because again, you know, we talk about a lot on this hit. That was a growth moment. I believe for Tampa to do it different and in a different way.
2: What about on the other side? Is this part of growth for the New York Islanders? Yep. Do we put them in that same sort of learning category and learning you know, to take the, the bumps and the bruises that are going to come through a, a playoff run and learning what it takes to, to go through that? Are they kind of in that spot Tampa was maybe even a year ago?
0: Um, I, I'd say different, Logan, because remember, Tampa's been in this situation four times in the last six years. Mm-hmm. So for the New York Islanders this is ascending to different heights in different territory and when you think about getting to unique places and trying to do it on an annual basis it takes steps and it takes time and it takes growth and it takes maturity and you know I just I can't say enough good things about what the Islanders have done in creating for me what's the most difficult thing I believe to do in almost any walk of life, and that's create the right culture. And, you know, they ended up, we've talked about it the last two weeks, they've, they had to make a hard decision with John Tavares. They couldn't keep him. They knew that, you know, they drafted somebody like Matt Barzell. Um, They've had great veteran leadership there. They have young players getting better all the time and i just think they are very very comfortable in who they are how they go about their business um you know when canada i was thinking about this kelly yesterday uh, after our conversation if the olympics are held in 2022 um i was thinking who would canada's coach be and and there's lots of lots of different head coaching opportunities and and we're incredibly blessed in our country with far more than positions that will happen come the next Olympics. But, you know, we talked about Peter DeBoer, Peter DeBoer and Barry Trotz wouldn't be too far down my list. I can tell you that when, when the great people at Hockey Canada have to make those decisions, but you're right, Logan, for the Islanders, it is about another step and it's about learning And where teams are really trying to get to, not only in the East, but throughout the league, is, and I've mentioned this about Tampa, you can win when you're constantly knocking on the door. Sometimes, you know, look what Washington had to go through, Logan, to get to that point in 2018. Um, You know, the more you put yourself in that position, I always think the next step for a team is to not only, you know, be a regular playoff participant, But, you know, somebody who wins a couple of rounds and puts themselves in that position. And I think the Islanders are taking, they've got a ways to go, but I think they're taking more and more steps. I mean, frankly, as an organization, to tell you just to understand how difficult it is, Islanders haven't been here since 1993. That's a long time.
2: We had an interesting conversation on the afternoon show yesterday, and I wanted to get your perspective on it, Lou, Um, because we've been talking about Tampa Bay a lot, and one guy that we're not talking about because he's not playing is their captain, Stephen Stamkos. And we got into the conversation of, you know, yes, that it's been impressive what Tampa Bay's been able to do without such a star player for him, but we're also, we kind of got into the conversation of if he's not able to come back, and this is the year that Tampa Bay goes all the way and wins a stanley cup what a what a tough run it, it would be for someone like oh. steven stamkos and we know how badly he wants to be able to come out there and you know give something to his team and be out there we mentioned you know missing the olympic the chance to be a he was gold medalist but he wasn't out there as much as he wanted to be for team canada and now almost on the verge of this it's just kind of a an unfortunate situation, you're kind of really rooting for the guy to be able to get back in and get involved with his team again.
0: Well, you know, this one for me is an easy subject because I, I met Steven for the first time when he was a minor AAA midget player in Markham on a team that also featured Michael Zotto and Cody Hudson. And um, Steven's just truly not only a great player, but he's one of the classiest young people I've met during my career he's an outstanding person um and how do you not logan how do you not feel bad for him you know the the broken leg that kept him out of 2014 you know sitting there right now rehabbing who knows you know if there's a possibility as this road maybe takes the lightning to a stanley cup final whether he'll appear and what you What you feel really bad for is this is a great player, great person, and you only get so many of these opportunities. So, you know, I'm guessing that's kind of the commentary that you're looking for. And I I don't know what else to say outside of I feel very bad and it seems incredibly unfair, although I don't like that word, um, fair or unfair, because it's just kind of, you know, life, does that and it's not always easy for us to figure out but you know in his case it it, it seems like he's had to pay a pretty high injury price along the way hasn't
1: yeah it? yeah you, you think about it like when he retires after this is all said and done like when we talk about him when we talk about well he's going to the hall of fame all those types of questions you, you won't be able to have a conversation about steven stamkos without talking about you know the 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 horrific tragic injuries at the wrong time that that he suffered it just it's just going to be you know we, we yeah. see it with other sports Ken Griffey Jr. in baseball and stuff you just you can't talk about a great career and then kind of Bobby Orr like what would have been kind of thing yeah it's, it's too bad uh we are talking hockey here on Hockey Central at noon we got Peter Labardius uh, Logan Gordon myself Kelly Kirsch uh we the guys had a really good conversation uh, a couple of days ago in the afternoon show and Logan you can kind of reset it for us the basic premise was Yuso Alamaki. What is he? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll use a Lou word. Where is he slot next year? Logan kind of set <laughs> us up and then maybe Lou can take it from there.
2: Well, yeah, we had the, the conversation of just where exactly you, you think Yusof is going to come into this team next season, whenever that, that might be because we've seen a small sample size, although very impressive from Yusof and, you know, I was a big proponent that I think, despite not playing uh, in this restart here, I think the, the time with his teammates and with the coaching staff is going to be extremely valuable when it comes to starting next season. I think it would give him a, a leg up that maybe he wouldn't normally have in, you know, rehab or an off season. And so I think all three of us, between Pat and Peter Klein and myself, was that, you know, it'll probably start out in something of a, a third-pairing role, but the, you know potential for expansion and taking on more minutes and more responsibility could quickly fall into his lap just because of what we've seen and and the potential that the young man has going into next season.
0: Well, and we had this conversation on this show a few weeks back, if you remember, about Juso and understanding that he's gone back to Finland and how hard he has worked and how much hockey he has missed. I always find it really hard to project next season because we don't know but here's what I think I do know uh if you were to say Lou where do you think he projects long term I think I think in Rasmus Anderson and Yuso Valimaki I think there's some real potential for those two guys turning into a top pair and potentially an outstanding top pair. Now do I see it starting there next year? No, I don't. For the very reason that Euso just hasn't played enough hockeys, you know, it'll be basically two seasons without him playing any hockey games. That's that's a long way to come back. But what Euso offers you is everything. Great poise, great work ethic. Um he's an excellent skater has a great feel for the game. I, I think he has leadership qualities written all over him. I really do. I, I think the Flames are incredibly lucky to have this type of player, and more importantly, this type of person as far as going forward in your organization. So, um, you know, in this case, do I see him, you know, if he, if he, I don't know how – I'm sure you guys get pretty deep in how you see it playing out because there's some things that have to get played out. So, do you bring back TJ Brody at the right price? Um, yeah, the what's one that whole thing,
1: decor look like, guys? Like that's that's what's the big what's
0: question. what's it what's it look like? Uh, I think that you know TJ more than held up his end of the bargain, but what's the price? What's the price? So, the good news is for the hockey team. Think about what Rasmus Anderson just did, and he did a lot of it on a broken foot. So I think you have a top-pairing guy for a long time, and he's already signed and do a great price for the next four years after the year that has just come to a conclusion. Um, You know, in Noah Hannafin, you have a very serviceable, experienced 23-year-old, I think still with more to give. Even when you think about where Giordano is and Brody, depending on TJ's price – You know, could you start the year most certainly, you know, the same way that you finished, albeit maybe putting more emphasis if you started Anderson and Hannafin together, that they maybe take on more minutes and more responsibility, and you would almost have Giordano and Brody, you know, in your top four, but maybe reducing minutes depending on the situation, then, you know, What are you going to do? They're going to have to sign someone uh, at the right price. I'd love to see them bring Eric Gustafson back, although some of the prices I've seen in the last couple weeks on him might make that really difficult. And the other thing, guys, is where they're kind of void right now, especially with it seeming like Travis Hamanick is going to go in a different direction. Wouldn't you like another right-handed defenseman? Because even in Connor Mackey, who... We haven't talked about a lot, but you want to talk about making an impression, certainly on me, in what I saw, you know, in those two weeks of training camp. And I wasn't lucky enough to see, you know, what he would do in in practices. But boy, oh boy, he strikes me as a guy that, you know, is going to be ready to play maybe after some time in the American League sooner rather than later. And you've got Tucker Pullman again, who they've signed. those guys are left-handed. So as far as the wish list is concerned, depending on the health of Valimac, you again, he's left-handed, I'd love to see another right-handed potential defenseman enter the fold in some way, shape, or form, whether, you know, and there's guys out there, if if you wanted to go in search of a Sammy Votnin, if, if you wanted... You know, Tyson Berry, for the kind of money they're talking about, to me seems way, way too pricey at this point in time. But, you know, as far as free agency, if you're looking to add someone, you wouldn't mind a right-handed shot. However, Gustafson, to me, is just he's a really intriguing guy because of what I see in his ability to run your power play. I, I think he does it at a very, very high level. And it's something that this team hasn't had a lot of, frankly, for a long time. Yeah,
1: We're chatting with uh, Peter Labardius. It is Hockey Central at noon. I teased it yesterday. Uh, Ryan Pinder, was uh, kind of messing around, but he actually brought up something really interesting about Jake Vertanen, the former uh, Calgary hitman. Um, the GM for the Canucks comes out on our sister station and certainly was not an endorsement by any stretch of Jake Vertanen. Nope. Um All I know is every time I see Jake play, he looks a lot better than what he has shown. He just about, you know, flirted with 20 goals, big, strong guy, bit of a hothead still. Um, Does he he fit in some way, hypothetically, with the Flames, Lou?
0: I think the best way I can answer it is, as you know, Kelly, I've been watching him up close and personal for a long time, long time going back to his 16-year-old year with the Hitman. I think Jake Vertanen, who I like very much, is at a crossroads. And Jake Vertanen, who has always been unbelievably blessed with physical hockey tools, has got to decide, frankly, about the work that getting to another level means, what that means. His his greatest assets, strong, big, physical, shoots at a ton, um, has always had those attributes. And frankly, Kelly, I think one thing that's really hurt him is in some ways the game came too easy. But the one thing that I witnessed that goes all the way back to his time in junior, even in his draft year when he scored 45, of which I feel like I saw 20 of them where he got a pocket center ice and raced in passed the defenseman and got inside position and scored. Jake has never been great in my personal evaluation opinion of using other players around him. And when I think about Jake, I just, I, I think it's time he is at his best when he uses his strength, his size plays in a straight line and, and understands I would actually, in some ways, Kelly, I think sometimes a little bit about Jake the same way I do about Sam, as in Bennett. I see some similarities there in terms of their skill set. Now, Sam, to me, has ascended to a different place, but but that's a different place in terms of where he's gotten to in the playoffs. But there's, there's some similarities for me in terms of strengths and maybe sometimes in terms of weakness. But I think for Jake, and listen, there was no reason for him to be in the doghouse coming out of the pause, except for one reason, and you know what the reason is? Yeah, he wrong. didn't
1: do the work, and he got pl- he caught in the wrong place the, the work. wrong time, and yes, yeah. yes. Do you think a change it, would do him do him good? It, He's it, from that it area. Go, He's you know it's always a little yes, different for guys yes, that are from that. Yes. Do you think that he just gets out of there and and comes back to a place that he had all kinds of success?
0: Kelly, yeah. I think it's. Kelly, I think A, yes. But B, I think it's time for Jake to decide. And and it's it, it's a hard thing to say and I'd say it to him. I'll say it to him the next time I see him in person. He's got a lot of tools. Now what are you going to do? Because you have to make some changes. You have to go about your way differently. In in two words, Maybe it's time to, and I don't like these two words, but maybe it's time to grow up a little or mature a little bit more. And, and what a lot of us can tend to do is when we have great game, what do people do? Well, you rely on it. And, and he's got great game. One of the great things I always take away is Jake Vertanen at the 2015 World Junior and Jake Virtanen in the twenty sixteen world junior. In twenty fifteen, he was in a you know a third line physical go up and down kind of role, and I thought he played some of the best hockey he's ever played. In twenty sixteen, a second year back, when he tried to do too much and there was more expected of him, and then he took some to be honest, some bad, bad penalties in key games. That's kind of what I think of when I think about Jake for But there's still a young player, a good young man, lots of skills. Kelly, at the end of the day, if I sat him down, I'd just say, listen, are you ready to go to work and do it different or aren't you? If you are, if you are, things are going to change because we've seen it a lot. When he's right and his mind is right and he's what I like to call all in on what he does well, he's a force. Okay. But the other stuff has gotten
1: in the way. Yeah, there's always some stuff in column A and column B with him, so we'll see about that. Well, guys, tomorrow is Friday, which means it's Lou's Mailbag. How about that? Yum. Uh, This is going to be awesome. we got a, a $100 gift card to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. And uh, it could be you. So just, you know, make a timely question. Go to our contest page on our website. Uh, fill in all the information. And if we use your question, you are going to have an awesome dinner uh, at one of the best spots in town, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. So that's coming up tomorrow. It's also Spiciest moment of the week. It's going to be busy. So we'll let Lou go enjoy, uh, enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. Have a great day, everybody. Flames
0: insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
1: Yes, tomorrow is the spiciest moment of the week, the crescendo, as uh, we will have that clip. We'll we'll dig through everything we had on Hockey Central and see what we send out. Could be, uh, I don't know, we've used a few different ones, so I'm not sure Logan and I have to put our heads together and figure out what we're going to do and then... Uh, We'll send it out on our social media uh, channels. And uh, it's kind of cool. It makes a real captain. It takes a real captain to make a bold choice, made with aged rum for smoothness and blended with natural spices. Try Bacardi Spiced for your next home game. All right, we'll take a break. We're going to talk goalies with our NHL insider. He's Eric DeHatchik next. Do the uh, Flames just stick with what they had? Do they uh, go looking? What are they gonna do? How much money they got to spend? Who's available? All that and more coming up with your Hattick next, right here on Hockey Central at noon.
0: Hockey Central at noon on Sportsnet 960, the Fan.
1: Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon for your Thursday. Let's go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and bring in our NHL insider. He's Eric the Hattick, and Eric uh, wanted to talk about goaltenders because it comes up all the time. We have. Uh, The text line filled all the time. People with their theories and what's going on. And there's always some sort of controversy about who's playing net for the Calgary Flames. Um, Where do you come out on this? Because uh, Rhett Warner brought something up. He said, here's the deal. like Your goaltending was the least of your worries for most of the playoffs uh, this year and last year. So what do you you think uh, is a reasonable, uh, I don't even want to say price, but do the Flames kind of go with what they had last year? Do they go and try and just dig in with one of these big free agents that's coming up, or do you, a combination of both? What What do you think? What do you think the Flames are going to do or should do?
4: Okay, so that's two separate questions. And but I'm glad you framed it that way because because my first response to you was going to be Kelly, you know, do we want to talk about status quo at the beginning or do we want to talk about status quo at the end? So because because you have to consider status quo and that would be my argument. For one thing, you know, there's an awful lot of teams that have an awful lot of money tied up in goaltenders, and Calgary isn't one of them. So we've we've probably gassed on endlessly about the flat cap scenario and how everybody's going to be tight and have you have to gonna have to cut corners here and there. And and one Solution would be to to retain the status quo, which which would involve signing Cam Talbot to an extension because he's an unrestricted free agent that this year. I think he showed enough to uh, to warrant um, a multi-year contract, which I think is what he was is looking for right now. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be trying to break the bank, uh, and I say that because you know I've got a list in front of me of of of, of, of about 14. Other goaltenders that are USAs. There's 11 goalies hitting the market this summer that won 11 or more games in in a shortened NHL season. So there's there's a ton of competition. Buyers market, right? Adults. Yeah, it's a ton, ton of competition, right? And so um, so I think if if you if you believe if you Cam Talbot and his agent believe you have found a fit in Calgary, and if you the Calgary Flames believe that what you saw of Cam Talbot. In the second half of the season and in the postseason is the real thing. And remember, he's a guy that played like 70 games for the Edmonton Oilers a couple of years ago, got him to a couple of rounds of the playoffs. You know, not all that old, has experience, well-liked in the dressing room. There's a, there's a lot to like about Cam Talbot. There's a lot to like about Cam Talbot. And, uh, and so, again, let's say three times four, you know, or even three times 3.5. I, I, I don't think you have to pay more than $4 million for Cam Talbot. Uh, going forward, and, and you can probably get him for less than Not
1: that, with ten so. other guys looking for gigs, right?
4: I, I, and, and you know, Braden Holt, you know, Corey Crawford, Robin Leonard, Jacob Markstrom, you know, like you know, there's a few break the bank guys out there. There's a bunch of break the bank guys out there. So you know, for sure, he is in that tier of uh, of goalies, and and, and Hudobin is in that. You know, does he suddenly become a break the bank guy? If you'd asked me this question two months ago, he would have been in that tier with with Thomas Grice and you know, Mike Smith and Brian Elliott and, you know, Craig Anderson, you know, might squeeze out another, but, but who play in these playoffs, maybe he's a break the bank guy. Maybe, you know, and I don't think Thomas Grice is a break the bank guy, but, but he's also showing at a time when there's not a lot of hockey left to be played that, you know, he can deliver in, in the clutch crunch. Anyway, you know, it's crazy that it it could be the most interesting goalie musical chairs off season in in NHL history. Um, But, but again, Status quo yeah. is a is a really good strong option for the, for the Calgary Flames. And if you're asking me to, you know, like, what would, what do I want? What do I think they're going to do? I think they're going to explore status quo uh, very deeply. And, and you know, I'm sure or you know, they're sort of probably deep into those organizational meetings right now, where you're reviewing everything about what went on in the season. Um, you know, I think that they feel that one more year at David Riddick at 2.5 that, that's a good contract for a good player. Again, popular teammate. Remember, whatever hockey looks like next year, the one thing that I'm prepared to predict is that that the schedule will be really, really tight. So um, th- there's a lot of strain on goalies already. Teams don't want to play goalies back to back. I predict there'll be a lot more back to back games. I yeah, think there'll be. You're going to need you
1: You're going to need two guys, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. Four games and six. You know, five games so, and eight. And so you need two guys. And David Riddick at that price with what he's given you in the regular season. And he really hasn't had an opportunity in either of the playoffs, right? Two years ago, it was Mike Smith that kind of got the nod. This year it was Cam Talbot. So they haven't showed a lot of faith in him, but his argument is he have not really given me a chance. So I'm totally fine with Riddick being one of the two goalies here. And then it's just a matter of, is Talbot the other guy? Or do you then at least, you know, look what's out there? Because in addition to those UFAs. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I've already mentioned the names, but just keep these in your mind. Okay. So okay. Holtby, Crawford, Leonard, Markstrom, right? So four A guys there. Um, Grice, Talbot, Houdobin. And then then you get down to, you know, like guys that can sort of fill in here and there, like the, the Laurent Brassois and the Keith Kincaids and the Arendelle and the, and the Jimmy Howards. So those are just the UFAs. Now, Who's available in trade? Well, I'm pretty sure that Pittsburgh is making no secret of the fact that Matt Murray is available. All of the chatter in Toronto when I was down there this is, you know, is this Freddie's last year? Freddie yeah. Anderson's last year with the Leafs, or do they move him now? And then, you know, Henrik Lundqvist, right? So the Rangers, there was a lot of talk about Georgie the the, the uh, being moved, one of the two young uh, Russian goalies that they've got there. Um, they really like Szczerbin, but I, I think the plan in New York is to keep both of those guys. And and now you've got Henrik Lundqvist one year left at eight five. They are willing to either buy him out or you know, if you take Henrik Lundqvist, we will pick up half of that salary, and and we might even sweeten something, or we might take one of your bad deals. You know, the, they they want to find a way of of classily exiting the Henrik Lundqvist era there. So he's a possibility, and especially if you think you're a team that you know, has a shot this coming year. Maybe one year of Henrik Lundqvist is is interesting. And then wow. and then the, the other biggie, Marc Andre Fleury, right? Yeah. So I think the expectation in Vegas is that Robin Leonard, who's playing so well for them right now, is going to get that five times five year contract that he wants. Again, uh, term rather than salary is going to be critical for Leonard because he's had to move and he's just getting tired of it. and he and his numbers just you know, since he kind of got his career back on track with the Islanders, and then you know throughout this year, in, first in Chicago and now in Vegas, just you know reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing that this guy's like seriously good, and he's not that old, right? So you know of all those names that I've listed, the only one, well, there's uh, that's under thirty is Leonard. There's two, Laurent Brassois, but but I think we think of Brassois as a as a uh, as a backup guy, but uh, but of a guy that you can see as a definitive starter. Leonard is 28. Mark and holpe are 30, right? And the rest of them, you know, like Mike Smith is 38 yeah. and Corey Crawford, 35 with an injury history. So it's a little, you know, that's a different type of player. But if Leonard does sign that extension, which I think most of us believe he will, then what do you do with Mark andre Fleury? Like, I don't think, you know, two more years at 7 million and Marc-Andre Fleury, I think, believes that he can still play, um, you know. Is, he's
1: got a no you know, trade, does he not?
4: Yeah, but but those those are... Uh, Those are manageable. Uh, When when his agent puts a you know a a, a skewered hockey stick in his back
1: (laughs) with the coach's name
4: engraved on it, that is that is not a guy that's going to adhere really tightly to his no trade, right? So so okay, so so that's the that's the general conversation. Now let's turn the conversation back to Calgary. So. Kelly, you'll remember that when Anaheim, way back, was shopping Freddie Anderson, the yes. Flames were also looking for a goalie yeah. and 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 were bidding for Anderson and and didn't get the deal, but but I think they signaled by their interest in him that that's a guy that they like, right? And also, when Pittsburgh was talking about possibly moving Marc-Andre Fleury ahead of that Vegas expansion draft and then correctly deciding, no, we better keep him because we're trying to win the Stanley Cup and if we get an injury, we we could really use... A veteran presence, and that that really worked out. But Calgary was another team linked to marc Andre Fleury, so I think we can we can say without you know like you know calling it wild speculation that these are two goaltenders that at different times in their careers have interested the Calgary Flames. And so, how would you feel about Freddie Anderson as the starting goaltender here next year? In which case, now you would have to you know uh, to say goodbye to, to Cam Talbot.
1: Yeah, um, I I think that's interesting, and yes, and I I think way back when I don't think the Flames had enough draft picks or enough uh, goodies to to flip back to Anaheim. Um, so you talked about the status quo, and that's kind of the thing that you were saying, like okay, yeah, um, you know, Cam Talbot, and have the same two guys, and get them on a decent contract, and status quo is, is okay. But then you also talked about like the A guys, the the, the break mm-hmm. the bank guys. What well, mm-hmm. okay, let's just pontificate a
4: little bit well, well okay so my, my break the bank guy is freddie anderson i guess that's what I, why i brought that up because i really like freddie anderson and i think i wa- I watch the least a lot and i think he is tremendous and i think he plays on a team that uh where he is really underappreciated i think their defensive coverage in their zone is unbelievably bad and and so i I think that you know he's put up unbelievable numbers. I think there are a lot of nights where he is responsible for Toronto being competitive in, in the game. I think he's completely underappreciated in that market, and I think he would happily move on. And I think that you know they, again. So now we're talking waving magic wands rather than you know a real. Uh, I, I, if I were running the Flames, I would be making I would be making inquiry about Freddie Anderson. How serious are you going and, and, and,
1: and can you extend him?
4: Yeah, and that's where I was going next because it's five million for one more year, and then he's a USA, right? So, so what you would want to do is find out, you know, what his level of interest would be in terms of staying on in Calgary, or would he be one of those wait and see guys? Let's see how it goes for a year, and then and then we'll go from there. But then again, how much risk is there? Again, it depends on the acquisition cost. So let's say the acquisition cost is something reasonable. It's not like your first round pick. It's something that you can you can reasonably afford to pay without, you know, giving up too much of a future asset because I really do believe that, that organizationally they feel the flames have feel that they're coming sort of into a window now that they, you know, they better take advantage of it. Right. I mean, you know, Monahan is a year older, Gaudreau is a year older, you know, Kachuk is a year older. Um, those, the, the defense is maturing. You know, they've got good pieces and, you know, they, they should have taken Dallas out. And now, you know, Dallas is one one in the, in the conference, semi in the conference finals. So, so I think, you know, you can justify to yourself if you want to, you know, if we go out and get a guy that we think is underappreciated and undervalued and can be an upgrade. And I guess that's really where I, the other thing is, you know, I like Cam Talbot a lot, but I think Freddie Anderson is an upgrade on. him. I think Fred, Frederick Anderson is an upgrade on virtually all but about six goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Maybe other people don't feel that way. I, you know, again, I hate, I hate to say this, Kelly, I, I've had him on my fantasy team forever. So I watch those guys more closely than others. And I see when they play well, I see when they struggle. And my evaluation of this guy is he's really good and 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 incredibly competitive. I mean, I met him when he was like the number three guy in Anaheim. Dwayne rollison was the goalie coach at the time, introduced me. He was just, you know, kind of there as a as a guy that was just coming through the ranks. Had remember talking to him very, very like before he became, you know, an established NHL goaltender. And the and then you know the competitiveness just comes through, you know, and the confidence. Like he's a very confident guy. So I, I I mean, to me, he checks all the boxes. I like does, him better sorry? than than some of the other, you know, um, you know, uh, wildest dream scenarios that you might be able to conjure up.
1: Is he? Uh, does he tickle your fancy enough to flip your first round pick to, as part of some sort of deal, or do you, do you um, absolutely no, have no. to hang on to that?
4: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I just don't think you can afford to. And this, knowing what's coming in the next couple of three years in, in terms of. Of uh, the way rosters are going to have to be manipulated, and the way you're going to have to keep young players in in the uh, in the pipeline, I I'd be very reluctant to trade away first round picks. I I'd be fine with trading away almost any other pick, uh, but I think that you know if, if you just look at the, at the metrics of of you know you you, you know, I mean it, it's a mathematical thing. You, you're you have a much better chance with your first round pick of hitting a guy that's going to be in NHL, or and once in a while you hit a guy that's going to be an exceptional NHL, right? So to, to give that up, uh, you know, uh, for, especially if you don't have any uh, assurance that he's going to be in your organization beyond the year, I'd I'd be reluctant to do that if I, if I was Calgary, but I also think, you know, like the way Toronto is is thinking they're, they're, they're they're interested in Matt Murray, but only if they can move Anderson. So that becomes, that's where it gets complicated, right? So Edmonton, has kind of been linked to Matt Murray. Understandable. You know, they they're another one of those teams where if you could get a goalie of a certain age and Murray is that age to grow and mature with Dry and and McDavid, you know, then then you could be set for a while. So I think Edmonton yeah. would be yeah. probably be willing to step up for Matt Murray maybe the way other teams wouldn't necessarily be willing to step up for him because if he if you believe that he is a piece that can be your your de facto number 1 guy for 5 to 7 years during the you know, the the prime time of McDavid and dry silent. you got to do it. You know, Calgary, again, I, I think they're entering their window right now. But but Anderson is, you know, he is getting a little bit older. Right. So um, but, but but he's but I think you can I think you could find a way. And, and if 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 Toronto is sincere about moving him, um, I think that that's one place where I'd be very interested in, in seeing, you know, the flames step up and seeing seeing what the price okay. is. Okay,
1: well we'll find out in October, I think, or more sooner, I guess. Eric, thanks for taking the time out. We appreciate it. Welcome back to Calgary. Welcome home, and uh, we'll I guess we'll talk on Tuesday. All right. Thanks, Kelly. There we go. There's uh, Eric Dehatchek down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Beats and Sports Bar, the best pizza, pasta, steaks, and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. Uh, a little contest right now for you. Our uh, sister station, uh, Jack FM, Jack 96.9, uh, and Night Castle Production, uh, they have got something called Fly by Night, the definitive Rush tribute. It's a live drive-in concert celebrating one of Canada's greatest Musical exports. I would say Canada's greatest musical exports. Don't know who was bigger. Um, that is happening tomorrow at Spark, And we've uh, we've got tickets. We've got kind of a special kind of deal for you. Um, so if you're a Rush fan, and you want to hang out with me, <laughs> um, just text in the word RUSH and we'll get you the information and get you all uh, hooked up with that. So there's, a, I think this is for the 9 o'clock, 9.30 show. So there's a 6 and 9.30 tomorrow. Uh, So look forward to that. Okay, text away, and we'll uh, see who wins. And don't forget, tomorrow, busy day, we've got Lou's mailbag, we've got Eric Francis Fridays, we've got the spiciest moment with Bacardi and a whole bunch more. One o'clock means the arrival of the one, the only, Peter Klein. I'm surprised, quite frankly, he is coming to work today because of the double overtime victory of the Toronto Raptors, which they tried to give that game away but wouldn't do it. So we are going to have Game 7 tomorrow, and we'll have it right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. That'll be at 7 o'clock tomorrow. Celtics, Raptors, winner take all. Who's going to go to the Eastern Conference Final of the NBA? We'll find out together tomorrow from the bubble in Orlando. So we have that coming up for you. Looking forward to that. So, uh, Logan, what, what do you guys got cooking for the mighty, uh, the mighty show? Uh, we will have Ian McMillan of Odd Shark joining us in
2: the, right. uh, one o'clock NFL season kicking oh, off. Oh Yes, that's we'll, right. We'll, uh, get into, uh, how to make you some money back on the, uh, weekend with football ramping back up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, also Thursday means we'll talk with our MLB insider and general life guru, Adnan Verk a little bit that later. that guy. Yep. Uh, and, um, yeah, I think we're going to dive into the Thursday night matchup. Of course, we'll get, uh, PK to, uh. Recreate uh, whatever happened in his household when the Raptors won well, last night. Imagine. So, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, the Cats poor neighbors would have been
1: flipping out. They would have taken to the vet again for, for therapy.
2: Yeah. Um, so the, that's a busy day for busy us. Busy
1: day. We got Steinberg coming in at two o'clock. Hockey at six. We'll have to see. Uh, see what Verk thought of Tenant. I went to go see it. Interesting movie. Really had to think. Good movie. Yeah, it was good stuff. I'll uh, we'll find out what he because I think he had to go to some weird. Theater in New Jersey to see it because there's different rules down in the state, so we'll see if you got to see it. All right, we will uh, get out of here. We got the one, the only Peter Klein, set to uh, fire up the big show next right here on Sportsnet 960.